0: The All In Podcast Show, episode number 17, with your host, Daniel Giordano.
1: The All In Podcast Show is home to the top entrepreneurs, innovators, and world changers sharing their breakthrough moments and how they are changing the world. We will bring mentors into your world who can help you find balance and build a bold life of excellence with your host, Daniel Giordano. Get off the sidelines, get all in and join us at www.allinpodcast.com.
0: Hey, welcome to the All In Podcast Show today and I am fired up and excited to to share with you. a great guy, family man, businessman that's out impacting people uh, and entrepreneurs worldwide um, has an amazing story, and I'm, I'm just looking forward to him jumping right in and, and sharing it. Um, so, without further ado, I, I uh, would like to introduce you to Alex Charfin. Um Alex, welcome to the podcast today. Hey Dan, it's it's great to be here with you. I really appreciate what you guys are doing with
1: this, and. Uh Bringing forward kind of where where people are going so that other people can model and and move forward as well it's a it's a mission that I know that you and I are both on, and I
0: appreciate you, ma'am. Well, definitely. I appreciate you taking the time today, and I look forward to to diving in and hearing some great stuff. So, um, I always like to to uh, sh- you know share with the audience um, you know a little bit about yourself, uh, maybe uh, you know as far back as you want to go uh, in your history, uh, maybe where you come from, where you're born, you know, born, raised, all that good stuff. Sure. So, if you could jump in with that, that'd be awesome. Sure. So, uh, I was born in Mexico, and uh, I knew I was
1: different from a very young age. I grew up. I uh, I went to school for a couple years down there. And we moved when I was five. We moved to Southern California in the, the mid 70s when speaking Spanish in school wasn't allowed. And so when I went to school, I didn't have a full vocabulary, but if I spoke Spanish, I got in trouble. So my first year or two of school, I spent most of the time in the hallway just due to language issues and really didn't, you know, wasn't able to connect very well. Um, so then I, I started learning the language better and today people say, no, you know, you have no accent. Well, I, I watched TV over and over again and I watched the evening news and I watched, uh, you know, I understood diction. I listened to Casey Kasem. So sometimes people say, Hey, you sound exactly like Casey Kasem. It's funny. That's how I learned how to speak English. Like, so that people wouldn't make fun of me. And, uh, hmm. and so You know, I I had a rough time growing up. I I don't remember school as being like bullying or being hard. I remember it being like torture and not understanding why I had to go through it all and uh, being almost constantly confused by how inconsistent and uh, uh, just how, how inconsistent and ambiguous adults were, how one day they would say one thing and the next day they would do another. And there was just really no order. Um, for me whatsoever. And then what happened was when I when I hit that was up to, to third grade, I was I was actually told I was developmentally disabled in second grade. And my my teacher actually used the words failure to thrive talking about me in front of me. So so I, I was kind of set up in a way. And what happened was in, in third grade, I had a teacher who um, was like us. You know, she was, she was she thought different. She had different perspective and saw the word di- world differently. And she pulled me aside one day and said, hey, you know, I think that if you – went into this other room and you put on these headphones and you were listening to music that you would, you would actually be able to study better. It helps me. And so she let me like go out and, and not in the hallway cause I got in trouble, but I got to go like sit in another area and and have music. So it would help me learn. And it did. And her name was Debbie Collins and she, she like saved my life because up until then, Um, I had always lost like i had been in the lowest reading group, the lowest math group. I I had you know, and I was always reading and doing math much faster than anybody in class. But I didn't know how to communicate that so I would be heard. And because I was so restless and active, I was kind of seen as like, uh, you know, the dysfunctional child or, you know, the behavioral problem or, you know, so, so you just, I just went through all the modifications that every kid does. Like I was on a first name basis with my principal in elementary school because I saw him all the time, but I was never trying to get sent to the principal's office. I just did. It wasn't on purpose. So, um, you know, I, I, left Debbie Collins was fantastic in fourth grade. I had a really hard time again. Um, the teacher was, was really mean, did not understand me. Um, I got, I went from, <laughs> I went from second grade being in special education to third grade being in gifted and talented education. Then in fourth grade being reduced back to special education. Then in fifth grade, I went into normal classes. <laughs> huh. I didn't know whether I was coming or going. And, um, and then I just rebelled. Like I got this really good teacher that I had for both fifth and sixth grade. It was a fluke. His name was Doug Regal. I sat in the front row. He, he really like, he would answer my questions and he didn't make fun of me. And that made me feel like, you know, I could do anything for him. And so I did really well for two years in school. Then I went to junior high school and fell off the rails again. Um, like so many entrepreneurs do. And I entered high school, You know, I I think I was pretty much suicidal. I don't know that I really felt like I had any type of an outcome worth driving for leaving junior high because it had been a series of really embarrassing failures, or at least that's what I perceived. And I had found some purchase in some ways to move forward, but in so many ways, like socially and, uh, um, you know, with with girls and with, with even other friends. I was so far behind everyone else and I felt like I was so alone that I didn't really know that I would move forward. And then two things happened. That summer, my mom, I had worked with my dad for a long time and it had gone very well. And I kind of thought that, you know, and I found this place in business where I felt like I could survive. And um, what happened was that that summer I didn't end up working with my dad. He was moving from one store to another. I can't really remember all the details, but he had something going on in the business where it was hard for me to go with him. So I ended up working with a friend of my mom's and I experienced this like this incredible success again. And in business, and so I, I started helping her like liquidate some inventory i 'm thirteen years old. I came up with some ideas It actually worked, so like I kept this calling for business it happened again, and so that kind of helped and then, going into high school on by accident, I got put into um, communications classes, so I was shy, I had been in drama, but I really didn 't talk to people. And I didn't really know a lot of people, and I got put into—I I, I had like screwed up registration for high school because, like back then, I screwed up everything that was deadline driven. I couldn't figure it out, and uh, and so I was like, I, I didn't didn't register on time or something. And so the only class that was left was an advanced speech class, like an advanced communications where you get up in front of the room and do speeches, called forensics. <laughs> and so I was a freshman in a class of juniors and seniors. And there was this life-changing moment. Like, even in the moment, I thought, oh, shit, my life just changed. This guy, his name's Rick Lara. And, and so in my life, like, I know who got me through my childhood. You know, my, my mom and my dad, I, I remember as a tiny baby having feelings of just this unconditional warmth and love, and that was my mom. I remember those feelings transitioning into my mom. Um, as a kid, I got to spend tons of time with my dad, like, driving to his office and asking questions. And he, he would get tired, but he would always answer my questions. So I had these two role models that really, like, let me figure things out and ask questions. And then I met Rick, and on the first day of class, he said something like, um, I want you all to understand that, you know, what you've ever done before doesn't matter. And you're only as good as your next speech. And your history is rewritten starting right now. And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. You have an opportunity to do something different today in this class, and everybody's going to speak. And uh, sorry. And I remember thinking, um, I remember thinking, like, what the hell's going on? I've never heard of anything like that. And uh, Rick said, um, you know, but here's what everybody needs to understand. There's uh, there's rules. So when someone speaks this is how we clap and when somebody's speaking we don't move and you don't you, you can't interrupt them and this is what happens if you do and there's consequences for throwing somebody else off and we support each other in here because if you're in this class you're part of a team and it was insane because what happened was and it's it's a it's so much a part of me figuring out my life's calling because what I saw was this class where there was guys who were on the football team and there was guys who were on the chess team and there was the, the bodybuilding guy and there was the girl with purple hair and there was the guy with a nose ring and they were all in this same class and uh, by, by working hard and speaking and going through that experience, we all became a team. And, um, and when I realized like today, looking back is, is that first Rick, like what a, what a life changing experience to have someone like that in your life. Because, um, the next, that day I said, like, I need to understand how he got there. I don't, cause I think he's like me and I think he struggles with the same stuff I do. Cause he like had written stuff down and you couldn't read it. And, and I noticed that that pretty much everything was out of his head. So I knew he wasn't like big on forms and, and, you know, constraint and stuff. And so from that point forward, I, I, showed up early to school and I spent time with him and I, I, I spent time with him after school. I became the captain of the speech team. Um, I won every award you could ever get at, at Irvine high school. And, um, and then I graduated and started, you know, gave me the confidence to start businesses. Then I became a consultant and you know, what's interesting is, um, you know, today I, uh, my my coach is still Rick he was just here like a week ago so i've had the same coach for 29 years and he actually came out and spent time with me and with my wife and you know i i the 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 expertise that i've had you know i've done a lot of things but communicating is one of the ones that's most important and um you know, to to when I when I think of my life story, like that's that's such a big one is the consistency in that foundation of knowing a set of rules around communication. And you know, Rick and I are actually putting a class together to that on that that we're going to teach because you know my wife just went and gave the first presentation she's given since high school, and and she had just worked with Rick, and the commentator wrote down like experienced and confident and poised, and it's because he just knows how to get people in front of a room. So. He was amazing. He saved my life. And then, um, you know, through building businesses, I found myself. And I think that what's so interesting is that so many people look at aggressive entrepreneurs like I was and they think like he's just in it for the money or he's just in it for himself. And, um, you know, I'd admit I'll admit at the beginning, like, yeah, it was in it for the money because I lost all the time and I had to win somewhere. And you know what, there's, there's this thing in the world where people say money doesn't buy happiness, but man, I'm an entrepreneur. There's a minimum amount of money for a, happiness to even be an option hmm. and that's okay. And, uh, you know, what, what I found was that once I understood myself and I was willing to share transparently was that there's so many people that feel the same way I do and there's enough that we all really don't talk about this stuff. And when we got people talking, you know, what emerged and really in just the last, you know, short period of time, Dan, it's not it's not something that I've been doing forever. But what emerged in the last short period of time is that we found this entrepreneurial archetype like we looked at at. Tens of thousands of successful people and what we found was the same attributes the same behaviors the same life behaviors the same life legacy trajectories, you know, we, we all were restless can't sit still um, don't learn like everyone else don't really understand like everyone else and and today what the world tells us is like take a pill. And turn that off or or move them out of the classroom or, you know, um, give them some, some, you know, the equivalent of cocaine time release so that we can turn off restlessness. And what, what history tells us is can't sit still, restless, doesn't learn like everyone else, means that that is brilliant. And every successful person shares that story. Yet for some reason, we miss it. And today we be- believe the rest of the world who isn't like us. And who tells us that, that we need to change and we need to do things different and we need to like, not be ourselves. And here's what I can tell you. There's nothing wrong with you. And for all of us, like the discovery is that we are momentum-based beings. We understand three conditions. We are moving forward. It's when we feel alive, like when things are aligned and we're really doing what we want and we're in contribution, we're helping others, life is good. When we're moving backwards, ironically, that's when we show up. That's when we push forward. And and when we're standing still, when we can't go forward, that's what drives us crazy. And once we understand that, Dan, you just go out and create momentum. And and there's tactics that we can create to create momentum or know that we have to create momentum indefinitely. And the challenge is that, you know, we've been taught to believe a lot of myths. Like I don't think that any one of us really understands the difference between happy and sad. I know that you, just like me and every other successful entrepreneur I know, has heard stuff our whole lives like, hey, why don't you get emotional like everyone else? Hey, why aren't you thinking this way? Hey, why don't you stop thinking this way? Why don't you slow down? Hey, you're thinking way too much. You're doing this the wrong way or the fast way or, you know, you're not, you're not letting everyone around. You know what's going on or all of those things. And the fact is that, you know, we start to believe that there's something wrong with us. And when we're kids, we're corrected so often because when you're the kid who has the questions and who's driven to keep moving forward and who has the unique perspective and the the awarenesses and you feel compelled to share them, you either have to survive the system or game the system, but the system rarely helps us. And you know, in in understanding this, what it's done is just it's 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 been like the best time of our lives because we have content that literally in 10 minutes at a time, we can help entrepreneurs lower the pressure and noise in their life so that their adrenals aren't out of control. And if we can bring them into Austin for a day, we can get them into a state where for the next 90 days to, to a year, they just create momentum. And most of them come back over and over. But this, this content is now at a level where we're helping people understand themselves like they never have before.
0: That's that's some powerful stuff. And, um, you know, it's it's amazing to hear that and hear the passion. Um, And uh, obviously there's uh, even reasons that we've connected um, because I can hear the passion in your voice. And, you know, you're getting choked up during, you know, just sharing your 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 vision and your your passion for doing what you do today. Um, So um, thank you for sharing that. You know, so obviously going through uh, the different businesses and and, uh, different adventures that you've been on, um, there may have been some mistakes or challenges uh, that have occurred. Uh, You want to share some of those?
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, when we say mistakes and challenges, here's here's where I think that entrepreneurs make mistakes and challenges. I don't think that we're capable of making real mistakes because we – we show up when we're missing. That's when we keep pushing forward. 10,000 tries to make a light bulb. Most people would call that OCD. That was mm-hmm. just Edison's way of making it happen. And, and that's okay. you know. And so um, I think that for me, where I feel like I, I should have had a higher awareness is really in two places. One is um, the limiting beliefs that I had took me, the, the, the fundamental limiting beliefs I had took me so long to get over that it isn't until like the last decade that I feel like I'm even moved towards them and really the last few years where I feel like I'm able to let go of some of them and so I think that one thing is the world installs so many limiting beliefs for us that um, I wish I, I had had an awareness that they were there earlier. And that's really my mission is to help people understand that we have those and you can get past them. And, you know, I had the same ones we all do. Like if it's going to be done right, I have to do it. And it's so hard to delegate and I have to see everything and I have to control it. And there's certain things I have to do. And all of those things are just these silly things we tell ourselves to keep ourselves small and, and, and and we don't want to be vulnerable. And so you know, what I, what I know is this, if, if I had gone back in my career and I really wouldn't change anything today, cause man, I'm in such an, like every day is magical right now. Um, but if I could if I could add something to, to someone who's going through the same path, I would say get vulnerable and transparent earlier. Make, make when people say make more mistakes, they don't mean to go be an idiot. What they mean is like, go say shit to people say like, Hey, I'm in a bad place and I need help. Like I've gotten that email so many times in my career. I've never turned it down yet. People don't really ask that often. And when you, what, what we're saying is, you know, be vulnerable, be transparent, tell people what's going on. Tell the people who work with you what's going on. Tell your wife what's going on. The worst thing people like us can do is increase the pressure and noise in our lives, because here's what happens. If we go through a significant portion of our life where we are not being transparent about something, we start to create constraint. Every lie we tell creates a constraint, because once we tell a lie, we, have, we, we remove an option, you know, and we remove another option of just remaining in truth. And so it increases pressure and noise. And so when, when we fail to be transparent, that can have the same effect as telling a lie. Even though we've transitioned, we're no longer lying in our lives, we're really careful about it. When we're not actively transparent and actively asking for protection and support, it's the equivalent of t- telling a lie. And what can happen is that can raise pressure and noise in our lives to where we really don't move forward at the pace that we should. And so you know, what I would say is be transparent and, and let people know what's going on. And, and you won't have that pressure and noise and, and, you know, be really honest. And at such a high level of honesty that every day there's not one question of anything you said, and it's hard to hold yourself to that standard. But here's what's interesting. If you really can do that in all aspects of your life and, and hold yourself to the highest level of ethics, momentum almost starts creating itself. Because when you hold yourself to the highest level of ethics, the highest level of delivery, you don't count your success by your sales, count your success by your client's success. Then you vibrate at a level where the highest level people want to talk to you. And I can tell you that from experience because you know, Katie and I have had an amazing seven-year run since we opened our company. We've become close friends with Dave and Gail Linegar and, and so many people who drive the real estate in, in, industry. But really, Dave is, Dave is like one of my heroes and mentors and and saved our business and really they credit us with saving Remax. And I feel like we saved each other's families, you know, and, um, and it's been amazing. But in just the last year or two where we've really made the transition to, um, you know, how do we help everyone and how do we really gain clarity and how do we provide the highest level of value, we're in partnerships and connections with people that, I mean, I can tell you, I, I wouldn't have dreamt of being on the phone with any of them just a year ago, and now they're calling us, you know? And so, so Dan, I think that, you know, it's so hard to make the leap of faith that you should go in your office every day and tell people honestly how you're feeling and, and be really transparent and let them know when things are good and when they're bad so that they can help you. I think it takes an equally amount of of, of bravery and faith to to do the same thing with your spouse if you haven't been, and and it takes the same amount of bravery and faith to do it with your clients, but when you do those things, you eliminate so much pressure and noise in your life, you almost automatically start performing better, and you start showing up as a better professional, and it changes how the world's going to see you, and I think that's like if I could give a message to my earlier self, one of the issues I had was for so long, I knew who I was and I knew who I thought the world wanted me to be. And so I carried this veneer of expensive suits and, um, you know, designer clothes and custom made stuff. And, you know, and I didn't give a crap about any of that stuff. In fact, most of it made me really uncomfortable, but I thought that's what the world wanted. And when I finally gave that crap up and started wearing clothes that I was comfortable in, and you know what? I like nice watches. So I wear nice watches. I still buy really nice cars. I like really fast, nice, fast cars. I said fast twice. There's a reason, you know? <laughs> and so, and, and, but like when I started just telling people and they'd say, hey, you drive a Maserati and like judgmentally. And I'd say, yeah. And I also have a Porsche and a BMW and another Porsche and another BMW. And what, what about it? You know, and because here's the deal, we're making this incredible contribution in the world. And does that help you accumulate some material wealth? Absolutely. Absolutely. But when you look at, at where we're changing lives and where we're helping people and the level where we're contributing, that, that level of success and affluence just comes to you. That's how you really get there. And I can tell you from having experience throughout my career of being around millionaires and billionaires that, that one of the hardest things for me to ever do was have faith that if I was willing to be transparent and honest that my life would move forward. And when I started putting that into practice, and and made incremental improvements over time and dropped the veneer and became more and more of who I was. And having kids really helped me do this because my daughters show me like what I was unedited and, and I was able to connect with kind of some of the same feelings I had when I was a kid and some of the some of the same things that I went through as a kid. And so just having Reagan and Kennedy and spending time with them and really you know my wife as well, understanding what she went through and us and having really connected, real transparent conversations and with a lot of entrepreneurs has all led to um, you know, the realization that if you just do that stuff up front, you get there faster. So that's the one like big message. I know that took a long time, but man, it's, it's hard to expect. I'm not good at Twitter posts. I'm only good at, (laughs) I'm only good at kind of walking people into the decision-making process.
0: Yeah, that's good. Uh, (laughs) um, So, you know, obviously you, you, um, uh, you know, you hit on a lot of things there. But, you know, um, one thing that that I believe that that a lot of people, as they look at successful you know entrepreneurs or their definition of success, um, you know, they, they don't recognize some of the low points that you may have had in your life. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and uh, you know, I think, you know, sometimes they, they look at, oh, well, you know, it must be nice. It's an overnight success. And like it was always like that. So, you know, was there one low point in your life that that really stands out to you, even though that it was a learning experience looking back on it? that, that really, um, you would want to share here.
1: You know, Dan, I, I, here's,
0: here's how I look at it. Like, I think that in,
1: in an early entrepreneur's life, you, you careen in and out of low points so often because it's hard to find stability. It's hard to find like your footing or your grounding, you know? And so when I think of low points in my entire career, gosh, there's, there's so many, I think of like the early management experiences I had when I was really young in my early. So I was 21 years old. I moved to Florida. I got I'm I'm working with this company called Envirocheck. I'm the, the vice president of a company at 21. I don't have the right amount of experience, but I had too much confidence and I had like six executive assistants in nine months. I was brutal. That was mean. Like I look back and think that was a, not a good time. And, and it was through losing all those assistants and finally finding one that helped me move my life forward and helped me get out of the company and was really clarifying for me. I was like, oh man, I've got to, I've got to give people more value. Then the next team I built, you know, I, I had really low points there because I hired people and and sometimes I had to fire people. And, man, there was some really painful early terminations, which taught me, like, hire people and pour into them and really work with them. And so I, I, I had some low points there, but I got over those, too. And I had some personal low points there. I had some really destructive relationships and um, destructive times in my life. But I think that, you know, the reason that I I don't like to pinpoint just one is because I think part of the experience of being an entrepreneurial personality type, a momentum-based being, is that you are going to experience these phenomenal low points. These points of cognitive dissonance, these points of depression or bipolar or OCD or HDD, ADHD, whatever it is. Like, don't believe the bullshit labels. Because here's (laughs) what it is. Those are environmental, situational, dietary, hydration or, um, you know, emotional reactions to constraint. And so I've had constraint in my life so many times. And so, you know, I've, I've, I've had those down times and here's, here's the thing, Dan, you know, when I say every day is magical these days, it really is. I, I, I love my wife. I've got these incredible kids, an incredible company, and, and we're making connections and helping people to a level that I never thought we'd be able to. And these days, like I still experience down points because even though I'm at this totally different level in life, I'm still like you and I have always been our whole lives. So I lose my temper. I I hit this moment of of indecision and I'm I'm not like kind to the people around me. And so like I have low points still, you know, Mm -hmm. and I share all of this for this reason. I think that um, every entrepreneurial personality type struggles with some base level questions. And the first one we ask is like, I think before we're non, before we're verbal, it's how do I stop pressure and noise? You know, we experience a lot of body pressure and mental pressure and, and, you know, um, ego pressure and, and, and noise and in our environment, in the world, allergies, high sensitivities, unique perceptions. We hear things, we see things, you know? And then, um, I think the second question is what is wrong with me? And I want all of, all of everyone to know is that there's nothing wrong with you. That hmm. that all of that stuff is a reaction to being one of the people who um, wants to change things. And even though everyone who has our personality type at some point in time in your life you felt singularly unique, like you couldn't find a club, like there was no place for you. Here's here's the fact: you know, the, the 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 characteristics that every person in history who took the stage wrote the script gave the speech, started the company, started the revolution, made the equation, did the discovery, and took to the sea, was exactly like us. So when we feel like we are a party of one, realize you're part of the most important club there is. And history conspires to hide that from us and to hide that from each other, because rarely. Is the history of an entrepreneur properly told? But when we look throughout history, the fact is that, you know, I don't have a lot of faith in a lot of things, man. I I have faith in my kids. I have faith in a higher power because they're not possible outside of that. Um, And I have ironclad faith in capitalism, in exchange, and in the entrepreneur. Because the only consistent source of positive change throughout history is the entrepreneur. And it is also the most tortured, bullied, vilified, beaten, condemned, imprisoned, shot down, and frustrated person in the world. And when we all realize that that person is who we are, and through mutual contribution, we overcome the rest of the world that tells us we are broken. That's when we change things
0: wow. amazing uh very well um, put together there I mean I, I there there's so many things that resonate there for me personally as an entrepreneur and I know many people listening to this um, you know it, it's uh, I'm sure it's impacting you as well um, uh, i I guess as we start to wind this down here um, you, you've obviously shared your purpose and your passion throughout this entire you know, since the minute you, you started, um, you can tell how passionate that you're living your purpose. Um, you know, so how do you see yourself impacting the world over the next, you know, uh, is it through what you're doing now? Or are there, are there projects out there that you're doing that are, um, sure. Long-term vision. Sure. Yeah. Let me, let me grab
1: a drink here and I'll tell you. Sure. So I think that, um, Dan, yeah, one of the one of the one of the big mistakes that I think entrepreneurs make is that when we cross over into the, the place where we want to make a bigger contribution, oftentimes people forget to keep running a business. And here's, here's what I know. Like, I, I have a very big goal and it's overwhelming. And I'm going up against really powerful companies and powerful people and um, and a really big dollars. Because there is an entire industry set up around telling us what's wrong with us. There's a $40 billion a year marketing campaign where the symptoms of constraint are harvested, grouped together as disorders, and people like us are given permanent labels and damaged and, and I want to change that because here's, here's what I know about human beings. We have evolved to a point in time where we don't need to know every one of each other's deficits because our environment overcomes deficit in a way that it never has before. What we should understand today is what is right with each one of us. Where is the strengths-based evaluation where from a young age, we're saying, how do we help this person get better? Not how do we standardize them into a box? And so that type of a movement in history, when it becomes a charity, it gets very difficult to drive. And when you look throughout history, there's there's a lot of things that move societies and and, and reform industries and, and, and create change. And, you know, we know that well-financed, we can get that change to happen. And, and my goal is that in our lifetimes, children are no longer evaluated for disabilities. We only look at strengths because 100% of disorders and disabilities, all of them can be improved environmentally, which means 100% of them can be caused environmentally. And, and if we remove those constraints, oftentimes the disorders and disabilities go away and we find amazing strengths that we didn't see before. So today we help companies and entrepreneurs understand themselves better. And we help companies double and triple and quadruple in size very fast through mutual contribution and through being on a very rhythmic cadence that is written for entrepreneurs and minimum effective dose to grow their businesses. And what we know is through helping entrepreneurs gain larger levels of success, we build the most important tribe in the world. And right now we're helping people build you know, multi-million dollar companies and some of them 20, 30, 40, hundred million dollar companies. The change we want to make in the world means we're going to challenge almost everything, education, psychology, pharmacology, psychopharmacology, therapy, everything. And we need the most powerful team we've ever seen. So that's what we're
0: building. That's, that's an amazing, uh, uh, calling to to step up to. So I, I look forward to seeing, you know, the results that you're going to produce with that and having the impact there because it's much needed. Um, and I'm totally in alignment with that. Um, as uh, we wind down here, uh, what's the one thing that you'd want to share with the audience to really just get them to, to understand, you know, what's out there for them and how they can get all in and, and really experience everything life has to offer for them. It's easy.
1: So, uh, You've been sold a bill of goods, and here's the truth. The truth is, if you're an entrepreneur, you've been told you need to go fix yourself and that you can go buy stuff so you can run the perfect business. And the fact is this, your business is broken, and if things go well, it always will be. And so get over running the perfect business. Start running an adaptable one where you can be transparent, move fast, and grow. And stop trying to fix yourself. Because if you spend your entire life focused on how to improve what's broken, you'll find that at the end of your life, you have some pretty strong weaknesses. But if you figure out where you already have momentum, where you're strong, where you already have natural abilities and strengths and you move towards that, you live a transformative experience. So the bottom line is, focus on what you're best at. Let someone else do the rest. Ask for protection and support. It will lower pressure and noise. You'll grow strengths and abilities that appear magical. You will make your biggest contribution,
0: which creates affluence, and there is nothing wrong with you. Great stuff there. how, how do our guests find out more about you, Alex?
1: They can go to our website at sharfin.com, C-H-A-R-F as Frank, E-N.com. We have, uh, there's a number of resources there. They can also go to YouTube. We have a lot of um, stuff there. They can connect with me on Twitter at, at Alex Sharfin, and also on Facebook. Just correct, connect with me directly, personally. Um, I'll accept the request. And I look forward to connecting with everyone.
0: Well, thank you very much for sharing your heart with us today and uh, your vision and, um, your expertise, it was truly a blessing and, and I, uh, look forward to seeing, uh, the many people that are listening to this, uh, go out and uh, get connected with you and, and, uh, really create a ripple effect with this message today. I really appreciate your time.
1: Thanks Dan. It's, uh, it's been awesome being with you. I love what you guys are doing and, uh, thanks for letting me, uh, you know, express myself and be transparent. Cause I think that, you know, you, you created a format here that really allows for,
0: uh, really good, um, sharing and contribution. I appreciate it, ma'am. You're quite welcome. For more information on the links and resources recommended in this show, please visit allinpodcast.com.